always see the value in other people and I'm incredibly compassionate even to people that I feel have wronged me or that people are doing horrible things in the world I'm always like wonder why they did that I wonder yeah. what happened to them that caused them to do that or I wonder what kind of place they're in that is making them make those choices but I think we all have value and we all have a right to exist in this world and I would really like our world to evolve and you know I'm being part of that change as well to the point where we understand how to support each other to really bring that value forth. Hi my name is Emily Chabourne and welcome to Behind the Change a podcast to inspire hope because let's be honest sometimes it feels like the whole world has gone to shit but here at Behind the Change, we speak to amazing humans who are doing really great things to make this world a better place. We find out what drives their leadership, what beliefs hold them firm in turbulent times, and what it really takes to grow their businesses and organizations to create even more impact. If you'd like to support our guests and little old me, then please share the episodes that you love. Rate and review because it really does help more people find us. And you can head to the show notes to join Behind the Scenes, a membership where you get bonus podcast episodes from me, exclusive access to a mini cast from every single guest, and heaps of other bonus content too. It's only $7 a month, and it goes a really long way to supporting this podcast and the guests that we are honoured enough to speak to. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Change. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking to Casey Benjamin from The Courage Project. Now, Casey was one of those souls that when I met her, I instantly felt calmer. She is a gentle and solid and kind energy and it was just a gorgeous conversation. I was fascinated by what she had to say about epigenetics. Her story is a really empowering one, one I could really resonate with. And we talked a lot about what it means to be really authentic. I know you are going to love this episode and you're going to love Casey as much as I did. So enjoy. Casey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Em. I really appreciate it. Already, I know this conversation is going to be amazing just by being in your energy. You have a lot of it and it's glorious. So let's start at the beginning. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you ended up getting into business for yourself and what The Courage Project is all about? Yeah, good question. Um, So I guess The Courage Project was born out of my own Courage Project for myself so really you know I think I really resonated with Brene Brown's work you know on courage and vulnerability and really about authenticity as well so for a lot of my life I was always sort of looking outwards to everybody to my teachers to my parents to society to the magazines and everything what should I do who should I be you know how should I behave and it wasn't until you know I kind of just followed all of the rules I did all of the things you know there was a there was a good chunk in my 20s where you know I was a bit of a rat bag and you know I I played around that was really fun but I was like I'm in my 20s that's what it's for playing the rules of the 20s yeah right (laughs) well there you go I was oh gosh that's like a whole other you know (laughs) spiritual you know awakening there that you've said that I was playing the rules of the 20s 
there was this kind of point where it was like, okay, it's time to settle down now. This is the time where you settle down. So, um, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to go back to uni. You know, I'll do, I'll get the degree. You know, I became a teacher, primary school teacher. At that point, I met, you know, my ex-husband. You know, we got married, we got engaged, we bought the house, you know, had the mortgage, you know, the little country house the little veggie patch and all that sort of thing I had a nice safe stable car I had the job and the kind of career trajectory and then we got pregnant after we got married and you know had the baby and all of those sort of things and I just hit this point where I was just like I'm miserable I'm absolutely miserable and I've done all of the things I was supposed to do that like society promised me was going to lead me to the happy happy thing you know like the car ads on tv like you know I've got this perfect family you know, where's my happiness? And so it was that moment where I was like, well, I don't really know who I am. And it was this moment with my son that I kind of was like, as a teacher, I thought I had 30 students in my care. And I was like, I'm going to be the most perfect parent. Like, look at how I can handle a classroom, like 30 kids. Like I'm going to be able to do such an awesome job. I was going to have six kids as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So then I had my first kid and realized that parenting is a whole different ball game to teaching. And I was like, okay, I think I can just love this. Just, just this one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's amazing, you know, but he's a lot. And, you know, so, you know, parenting has brought up so much of my own stuff. But I kind of just thought as a teacher, I was like, oh, you just mold your kids into what you want them to be. And, you know, you just create these little perfect. And I can do that. Well, he was a being with his own personality, you know, and he had his own desires and his own preferences and things like that. And very quickly I learned, oh, it's parenting is not about molding. And then I was like, my job as a parent is to help him become his best self. And I was like, fuck, how am I going to do that if I don't know who I am? Oh, that's powerful. So I was like, oh, okay, now I've got to go on this journey where I find who I am. But I've been following everybody else's rules. So I don't even know what I like. I don't know, you know, what my preferences are. And so for me, this the Courage Project was about finding myself and my courage to be myself as well because this whole you know I've kind of been wearing a mask my whole life because you know I thought that's what you did I had my teacher mask you know I had my wife mask I you know I had a great little business and stuff so I was the chocolate lady I had a chocolate business in the cute community and it was great and all of these things you know there's nothing wrong with any of them but I hadn't done them from a place of this feels right for me it was from following the rules so for me it was about finding out who I who I was, what made me tick, what were my preferences. And I had to go through this whole journey and I'm still going through it and I believe I will always be going through it and I'm okay with that because that's a whole adventure. And I feel like for me, that's what life is about. It's about discovering who I am. And so the Courage Project was kind of born out of that because I got my own coach to help me through that process. And then as I was going through that process, I was like, oh, I want to do this for other people. I want to help other people work out who they are, not by me telling them who they are, just guiding them through that process. And so, you know, I went and studied coaching and did a whole bunch of different courses and things and tried a whole bunch of different tools and then found out what I felt resonated most for me and the vision that I have for the world and what I want for everybody. And that's now the Courage Project. So now I'm working with businesses to help them help their their staff and their leaders to thrive and to be the best versions of themselves. So 
my vision for the world now is that we are all able to be our authentic selves and to coexist in that society in harmony. But in order to do that, we really need to first understand who we are and then appreciate the differences of other people as Mm. well. So, you know, I'm really big on diversity and inclusion and I saw that through teaching as well. That was a wonderful opportunity to see because when you see kids... They're raw, especially at like grade one, two level. So we're talking like six, age six to age eight. And um, they don't wear a mask at that point. They just say what they want to say, you know, and you can see all their little personalities and their skills and their inter- different intelligences and things like that. So you can see all of that come out. And I'm like, well, this is, this is how society is supposed to work. We're all, we've all got different skills and talents. And we have them for a reason because we're all supposed to contribute to this together so the courage project has now kind of evolved into that so I believe in society we need to have courage to kind of break this mold that we have of this you know one size fits all model and everybody being in this lane and this kind of yardstick thing of like oh this is a normal person and this is what a normal person does I want I want us to be able to understand the nuances and the the huge spectrum that we have of differences and to not be afraid of that so to have courage to embrace that with curiosity and to find a way to coexist harmoniously through that I think it's really beautiful that your son was the person who initiated Mm. this process for you in his complete and total and utter I don't have a mask yet yeah I haven't been molded yet yeah and then you also saw that reflected in the classroom with all the kids because it's true we're not born into this world thinking that we are too fat or too thin or too tall or too anything we just are and then it just gets conditioned into us that this is the way that we should behave and the currency then becomes love and attention and affection doesn't it it's like go to your room yeah I spent most of my childhood in my room yeah yeah because you know that was a strategy back then you know that's what parents had to deal with different strategies and things and um, deal with different behaviors you know my son is not (laughs) not a compliant child you Mm -hmm. know he is somebody that speaks up and he's got that real rather than you know I was a real kind of like off flight energy so if I'm doing the wrong thing if I'm being told off or something like that in school I'll kind of you know shrink down I won't like speak up he's the opposite energy to me in that sense of that fight he'll just be like no so I have to I had to find some new strategies and he's my he's been my biggest teacher he knows his boundaries he'll you know communicate them quite strongly and I've had to find ways to help him navigate that as well so that he can kind of coexist in society because he's at that age now at eight and a half where he has to start thinking about and he's developmentally able to think about other people around him as well but yeah it's been beautiful he's asked me so many wonderful questions why do I have to do that Mm -hmm. and I'm like well I don't really know that's a weird rule that we have in society isn't it and so we can explore those things together. But, yeah, I'm so grateful for him for being that teacher for me. So, yeah. What's been the most courageous thing you've ever done? Hmm. You can give me more than one. There are so Yeah, I'm so <laughs> not good at, like, finding, over. yeah, one. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is coming out because I, I tried to come out several times in my life. And as somebody that was following the rules and staying safe and – I think it was really hard for me in particular because, you know, I grew up in the 80s. There wasn't a lot of representation of lesbian women. I was lucky enough that my parents 
had some lesbian contacts in you know my dad did law and stuff so and he was a mature age student so in that uni circle of friends um you know he had some friends there so I think in the back of my mind there probably was that little bit of oh there's a possibility there so I was able to kind of think of it as a possibility and um, not like not so much an option because it's not something that we choose but when you don't have representation sometimes you just think oh there's something wrong with me you know or you know you don't really know like I, I knew I was dating men and boys when I was a teenager and not boys but teenage boys and I was like why don't I feel the way that other people seem to feel but I didn't have a lot I was just like oh well this must be what it's like Mm. so and then the first time I I tried to come out it didn't go down so well with my parents I think I probably kind of sprung it on them a little bit but they didn't know how to handle it were you married by this point to no I was 19 at this point and yeah so that was and then you know I just thought I'm somebody that really really was looking for approval all the time and because they didn't act the way that I wanted them to act and just completely embrace it straight away I was like oh okay going back in the closet this is obviously not safe I'm not going to do that and tried to come out again when I was 27 and still didn't get the response that I wanted you know which was probably quite idealistic you know this like (laughs) welcoming with open arms this big rainbow party (laughs) that we're gonna be like you know celebrations that no Um, and were you still you were still married so at that 20 when I when I was 27 I was about to come out again and I thought at this point that I was bisexual right Um, and you were married and had you had your at that point, I was about to meet my ex-husband. Oh, yeah, okay, right. so I had a girlfriend when I was 19 and then another partner in my early 20s, mid-20s, I think, or like early to mid-20s. And then when I was about 27, I was about to come out again and then kind of didn't get the response. And then I met my ex-husband and then I think went into that marriage as well. He was, you know, quite quirky looking and, you know, little bit feminine looking as well and so I kind of just was like I don't know I think this feels safe Mm. um you know and I think I I was probably in love with him for some of that as well and then it wasn't until my son was born and then I was watching Orange is the New Black at the time (laughs) as well I don't know if you've seen that but um it was like my kind of story playing out a little bit in Mm. that and I was like oh my gosh this is like it's permission yeah it was permission but I was like oh okay it was like hindsight was starting to come in then Mm. and I could start to see the signs and I was like how did I miss this like I just and it was because there wasn't that representation you know I went to an all girls catholic girl school and the lesbians at that school like they were not very safe like they you know they were ridiculed it wasn't yeah, and there was a lot of like homophobia mm. there. So, and I was I was also like a perpetrator of that homophobia. I had internalized homophobia as well. So I was like, you know, I remember I was really close with a friend, and there was talk that we you know, we might be lesbians, and I was like, fuck, like, and I didn't really know what was going on for me, but I was like, I don't want to be seen like that. Mm. So I think the most courageous thing was for me to come out because you know that also meant my marriage was ending. I decided to move back home, like back to Melbourne from the country. I was living in the country at that at that time. I decided not to go back to my job as a teacher as well. So it was a huge amount of upheaval as well. You know, my parents were quite supportive at this point after a little bit of me, of my sexuality. But I think they struggled a bit with the divorce as well. You know, just being in that, that 
age group that like you just don't really do that. So I think they really struggled with that as well. So I didn't have a huge amount of support at that time. So that was the most courageous thing because I ended up a single mum and on my own I had you know food and petrol vouchers because I didn't have my own money so it took a little while for Centrelink's money to come in and all that sort of thing so knowing what the very what the reality was of me leaving that marriage and you know my little chocolate business wasn't enough to sustain me you know and I had to kind of start all over again with a two-year-old like that was tough and that took a lot of courage and you know considering there was pushback as well that made it even harder mm. and also because I'd been always following the rules so I was like oh this this feels uncomfortable yeah yeah it's interesting to me and I've seen this time and time and time again with clients that their kind of I guess their story when they decide this has got to be different quite often lots of things get different at the same time yeah. and it's this rebirth of your identity isn't it yeah. and you're like if I'm giving myself permission to be this different yeah. type of person what else is now available yeah. for me and I see it quite a lot with clients who are like oh then I don't need to do this anymore and I yeah. can put this down and I could try this out and yeah. it's really interesting to watch because from an outsider's point of view and if you don't know anything about human behavior or personal development you you're kind of like why are you blowing up your life like yes. what are you doing just yeah. do one thing at a time yeah but actually there does this this momentum that builds yeah. as your identity evolves yeah and it does you you find yourself being like well I'm all in now yeah so I may as well rip all of the band-aids yeah, off do it all at once yeah. yeah for me that that was the process that really worked for me and and just had to be done and I think it was because I'd gone so far down that rabbit hole of constructing this idyllic life that was so far away from my actual authenticity so I don't think it necessarily needs to be like that for mm. everyone it depends on how far down the rabbit hole of constructing this mm. false identity that people have gone to you know and I did all of that subconsciously I thought I thought I was just being me mm. I just had no idea because I hadn't done that work of, of soul searching yeah um, beforehand but it was you know and I have seen so many people you know some of my clients not all of my clients you know and some of my friends as well it's that moment of like okay well if I'm not that because we pin so much on our identity mm. it's like well if I'm not that person then yeah who am I really and then it's like oh we start to do the work on values and mm. what are my values and that can create that domino effect so yeah yeah what do you think the effect is like at large with society at mm. large with communities with corporations that we have so many people who probably don't really know what their values are or what they even really want yeah that's such a great question I mean, I think at this point in time, there's a lot of cycle breaking going on. Mm. There's a lot of focus on values and authenticity and things like that. And I think that is very uncomfortable for a lot of people, particularly people that prefer things to stay the same, uh, that find change particularly different. I love change. I love uncertainty and risk, you know, that my biology you know, is really attuned to that. So that comes pretty easily easily to me. And I'm a very curious person, but I understand there are people with like the opposite biology of that that really struggle with that. So that must be really kind of traumatizing for that for them. So I think at large, there's probably a lot of people in society that are really scared mm. and feel really unsafe at the moment. And I think it feels to me like we're really muddling through this at the moment and we're kind of like we've lifted the rug and we're like what's underneath there let's have a look at it let's bring it all out 
and let's kind of analyze what we want to keep and what we don't and I think we need to like go a little gently at some time and and put you know like I think it all kind of just needs to happen Mm. but I would love for us as a society to be a little bit more compassionate with one another and ourselves through that process I think the world has evolved so far in terms of technology like technology is like we've got robots that are learning from each other Mm. now like that's crazy to think about that and then I think emotionally socially and emotionally we really haven't come far enough and humans are still we're still driven by these limbic brains as well, you know, so we have all this fear and, and we think that, you know, that old saying about the, the saber-toothed tiger about to kind of jump out now, like we experience that from we're going to go up on stage and do a presentation or, you know, speak up in a meeting or something like that at work, get those sa- that same fear response. And so I think we're really at this point of needing to evolve our minds and evolve who we are. And so that's why all of this is kind of coming up at the moment. Mm. And so I think we have an opportunity. I'm, I'm an optimist, so I see it as an opportunity to really analyse where we want to be and, and where we want to go and how we can bring everybody along mm. with us as well because we don't want to swing the pendulum completely the opposite way because that's not going to work. I think... And I see this with the work that I do as well and the the tools and the techniques that I use as well. We all have a place here, you know, and we can learn a lot from our past as well and the skills that the people have that, you know, want things to stay the same. We need to maybe learn a little bit from them and to go a little bit more gently. I know I can certainly learn that as well because I can be like, all right, let's just change it all and transform it. But yeah, I would like us to to be a bit more curious and open to each other and talk about what is going on rather than so fearful. So, yeah, yeah, I think there's this um, this real point in society, aren't we, where like, we have to give ourselves permission to fuck it up. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I love that. I think because we live in such a filtered world, which yeah. technology has yes. delivered us, we do exist under this sort of paradigm at the moment of like, we've got to get it right. Yeah. So if I'm going to live my authentic life, my authentic self, I've got to get that right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the irony is probably part of your authenticity is getting it really wrong yeah. and asking questions that you think make you look silly yeah. or, you know, using the wrong terminology sometimes yep. and being called up on that yep. and standing in that space where it's a bit uncomfortable and a bit yeah. clunky and a bit grey. Yeah. And like you alluded to this earlier, like your authentic self is constantly evolving. We're always in the process of unfolding. And some people, like you said, are really going to resist that because it just doesn't fit with their makeup and and how they are. And that's going to be a bit more taxing for them, compassion. And some of us are like, whoa, yeah, who can I be today? Let's unfold a little bit more. And so it is, it's about understanding that as a society, there's so much change going on at the moment. Thank God it all needs to happen. But we have to be kind to each other and ourselves yeah. as we get that wrong because yeah. we are all human beings yeah. first and foremost yeah and and like I think another big thing that that comes up at that point it's like we're, we're looking for the rules again yeah. we're looking for the rules and Brene Brown's talked about this as well like we want the rules okay like how do I use the pronouns and mm. how do I you know what are the rules that make, make sure I, I get that right and in terms of race and things so that then if somebody calls me out on it, then I can say, well, I followed the rules. Yeah, that you website know? told me that, that that's website, what I should yeah, say. Yeah, but it's like we're, we're all working this out 
at the moment. You know, mm. there's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen. And everybody's got a different experience as well. So the rules for one person might be completely different to the rules for the next person. Mm. And even one person, their rules might change over time as well. So there are no rules really, you know. Yeah. So again, I want to lean back on that curiosity and it's like, what you were saying about making mistakes, like, you know, that's been a huge lesson for me because I wanted to be perfect for so long of my life and I still struggle with that. But in embracing mistakes, we can then bring in that curiosity, oh, why didn't that work? You know, mm. oh, what did what happened there? Why did I get that response from that person? Mm. You know, and how can I get curious? How can I use curiosity to find out how I can do better yeah. next time? You know, what, and, what can I do differently? And that's how we examine our internal bias, yeah. right? I was speaking to this amazing facilitator, woman, human, just, God, she's amazing. Her name's um, Emali Polo. And she was saying how she sits in at corporate level with these sort of companies that do bias training wow and what they say is yeah. you have bias okay bye <laughs> with no like okay but what do we do with that yeah like what's the strategy around unpacking that how can we hold space for people to be in the tension yeah. of that yeah and what do we what kind of community do we have to support people as they yeah. look inside and go oh fuck, I didn't know that was there. Yeah. That's really uncomfortable yeah. and I feel really gross about it. Yeah. Because as we know from Brene Brown, shame is the worst thing. Yes. That just pushes us back. It silences us. Yeah. It means that we won't speak out about causes that we care about. Yeah. We don't want to say anything on social media in case we get cancelled. Yes. And that's a really dangerous place. I, I do feel like we're in this weird sort of push and pull at the moment of yeah. like, authenticity versus cancel culture yeah so we're being asked to be authentic we're trying to find our authentic selves and technology has created this kind of space of cancel culture and yeah. i'm obviously talking sweeping generalizations yeah there are accounts and people that are you know really holding space for people to come and ask questions and learn and, yeah and that's awesome and that's amazing but yeah it's, it's so important the work that you are doing because part of finding authenticity learning about our own internal bias holding space for each other in our communities that's a courageous act yeah it really is you know and and we are at that point where there is there is consequences for being your authentic self and hence why I call oh, it the, so the courage project because especially if you did what I did and went <laughs> far down the rabbit hole of constructing this identity based on what you think you should do or think you should be instead of you know who you authentically are when you've set that up there's a lot of consequences and there's a lot of boundary setting that happens and then then there's going to be pushback from that because you've been this way your whole life why why are you being different now you know so yeah it is it is a very courageous act to be one's authentic self and as you say i think you know that muddling through that we're going through at the moment and what what's the spectrum like two ends of the spectrum the cancel culture and the accountability like you know mm. We're working that all out at the moment as well, and we have a lot of confusion. Or not, I don't want to generalise it, but you know, I think it can be confusing for some people. Am I being held accountable, or am I being cancelled? Mm. You know, and I think we're trying to work that all out at yeah. the moment. You know, and dealing with our own experiences of that as well, and the own our own shame. And it's like, is it shame or is it guilt? You know, mm. and how where where on that spectrum are you sitting with that behaviour at the moment as well? Mm. So we're there's a lot of new ground that we're exploring and it is scary, you know, but again, I have hope. And I think when I zoom out and I think about the big picture of this, I'm like, what an amazing time to be alive mm. because we're going to look 
other future generations are going to look at us and and be like, oh, thank you for doing that. Mm. Thank you for, you know, that must have been really hard. As we look back at the progress for women or, you know, LGBTQIA plus people, like when we look at those people that first stood up and said, hey, we need to do this differently, Mm. that was really brave and a lot of them were in really dangerous situations for doing that. And now we're, we've got that kind of happening again, not to the same extent, it's very different again, but it is really challenging and yeah. really courageous. So let's pivot a little bit into business. Mm-hmm. So I read somewhere on your website that you also are into epigenetics, is that yeah. right? So for those listening at home, and I, I'll be really honest, I'm pretty ignorant in this field. So can yeah. you give us a kind of brief overview about yeah, what epigenetics absolutely. is? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love this stuff. <laughs> um, so epigenetics is quite a broad term. So it's essentially like the study of your genes. So the work that I do is around understanding how your genes interact with your environment so when we're talking about genes we're talking about you know the people that made you and you know the people that made them so you know that is really only five percent of your genes oh so it's like the other five or like the the person that you are so the other 95 percent is how you interact with your environment so through lifestyle and that determines who you are and like how your body is because you can switch on certain genes so you know say if we're talking about like disease you know like and we're looking at like cancer or diabetes like you might have the gene for cancer or diabetes but you can either switch it on or switch it off depending on the lifestyle that you lead that and that will be different for everybody it's different for everybody so like i think we're up to like 7.8 billion people on the planet it's a lot of people man <laughs> yeah and not one like no two are the same yeah so we all have different biology and so that the work that i do is about helping people understand their unique biology and that goes into like what they need on a day-to-day basis like on a second to second basis kind of thing on and how to kind of structure their day so it might be about for the food that's best for them according to not just their genes but their genes right now and then you know the exercise that's best for them the physical environment so their office space or their home environment the relationships that are best for them you know what's going to light them up in terms of relationship my favorite bit about like their genius zone lean them towards in terms of strengths so what is their purpose for themselves, you know? And so the work that I do with this epigenetics, it really only takes into account like the bio- biological aspect. So then my, like I studied psychology and sociology at uni and then, you know, I did teaching. So I kind of fuse that together with, okay, it's that nature versus nurture debate. So the biology and then what's your conditioning been throughout your life and how's that impacted you and how far away are you from your, your biology like, does that resonate with you when you read this, you know, everybody gets a profile and, and it's kind and of... And how do you create that profile? Like, is it yeah, like a blood good sample? Question. I know, everybody <laughs> goes straight to blood. So luckily, so this, this science has been developing since the 15th century. So we're looking oh, wow. back at, yeah, Leonardo da Vinci, like measuring up cadavers and things like that. So we're talking about anthropometry. It's got 15 different layers of science in it. So it's quite broad. And, you know, what I use is the technology that helps to kind of put all of that science through so you couldn't you would have way too many practitioners if you tried to get <laughs> all of this information so we've now got the science and the technology that allows it to kind of go in together and go okay this is the person and um, the way that we do it now is through measurements so I yeah so we w- scientists have worked out so essentially from 
when you're conceived, I'll take you down a little scientific yeah. path. So I'm when you're fascinated. conceived, yeah. As an embryo, you're developing and there's three dermal layers that develop and we all have these three dermal layers. But the thing is that energy doesn't go into those layers evenly. So one or two of those will develop more dominantly. And what that then means is that that determines the shape of your body. It determines which organs are more dominant and it determines the hormones that are kind of running through your body and the parts of your brain that light up and the parts of your brain that you use more dominantly. And so this is where we get zones of genius and it can influence personality and things like that, of course. So what you see that person doing. So they're, they're, they're acting because of these hormones a lot of the time, you know, unless they're starting to suppress and condition and things like that. So I help people understand what that biology is so then what they need and then you know how they're behaving and then how to get the best out of themselves essentially so a big part of authenticity because you know 50 percent of who you are is your biology Mm. so that whole nature versus nurture debate is kind of settled now Mm. (laughs) Um, and what scientists have have found out is that how your parents parented you like that that only accounts for 10 percent of who you become no really yeah that's so interesting yeah so it's like so that you know there's a lot of choice in terms of who you want to be as well so if you've got 50 percent as your biology like that's actually driving Hmm. you and then you've got 10 percent is the influence from your parents obviously there's other influences like you know society the media teachers you know sporting coaches and things like that experience friends you know Mm. the skills that you've learned and things like that but then you know then there's that whole choice bit about well who do you want to be and how much of your biology are you going to take along with that you know and for me the question is kind of like how much do you want to live outside of your biology because it's a whole lot easier if you've got these inbuilt skills Mm. that are going to put you in flow on a day-to-day basis like for me talking Mm. this is my zone of genius and I love this and I get energized from this so why would I want to do anything else you know so when you talk about measurements so that starts at embryo level so how would you test me for example so yeah so there's a whole assessment online that we would do together Mm. um, and we'd go like top to toe so and I'd either do this for you or you would do it yourself I'd teach you how to do it whatever you're comfortable with Mm. Um, I like to get people to do it themselves so that they because they can update the measurements all the time as well so we measure like from your head circumference like your jawline your neck you know right down to like the length of your feet so we do all of that and then we look at also like ancestral things so like you know where where did your parents come from you know what's because that will also influence so in terms of like the environment that you need you know if if you had were exposed to more sun then you you know you might need more sun or you know if you fairer skin people they're going to need less sun Mm. things like that so all of that determines your environment as well I can even show you like this one if we put our hands on the table and you have a look at your ring finger Mm -hmm. Are your ring fingers longer than your index finger? No. Okay. So my, if your ring fingers are longer than your index finger, it's a sign that you've been exposed to more testosterone. And so you're more likely to be mesomorphic. So I don't know if you've heard about that. somatotypes. No. Um, so we have three somatotypes. So we've got endomorphic, ectomorphic and mesomorphic. So the mesomorphs are usually have that higher sensitivity to testosterone um, or they've been exposed to more testosterone. And so they normally have an ACTH release, which is cortisone and adrenaline. So for me, that's me, for example, my ring fingers are longer than my index fingers. 
So I am more... When they're splayed out on the table when like they're this. Out, yeah. yeah, on the table like that. So I'm more looking for risk and adversity, um, challenge. Um, I love to be out front talking to people. I love to be presenting. I do well with like kind of a targets and things like that. Whereas for somebody else who doesn't have that, they might prefer more systems and processes. They mm. might prefer more certainty. They might prefer to you know, follow the rules a bit more. Mm. They might feel more safe with that. They need to feel more grounded. They might need to know how things work, you know, whereas I'm ready to kind of jump in and have a go. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely fascinating. So your process is that you would do that profile with somebody, yeah. work out where all their biology lies, mm-hmm. work out what their conditioning is that might be anti their biology yeah, if that makes sense yep. and then create a, a pathway on yeah from there for yeah them. and just help guide them through that process of mm. determining well you know what does this mean for me and my life or you know if I'm working with a business then what does this mean with the people that we've got in the room because you've got all people with different biology there mm. and so how do we navigate together how do I motivate this person how do I speak to them in a way that they're really going to receive the information how can I best support them to be in flow, to be their best self, to be their most productive, to be their most fulfilled as well. Mm. How can I support them to live in their strengths? So interesting. You've just said loads of words I've never even heard of before, but I understood what you meant the whole time. It's oh, good. so fascinating. I'm I do get, I do get a bit very excited. Well. So no, 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 I <laughs> loved every minute of it. Too far. How have you found translating what you do into business? Do you find yourself sort of struggling to explain that to people? Like, I do, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not wonderful with the verbal explanation of that. So that is something that is a big challenge for me in business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm very lucky, you know, here at the Commons where, where we're recording this, I have, you know, my biz bestie, you know, she's my business coach and she's amazing with words. And mm-hmm. so like even just before we recorded this, I just did a lunch and learn and, you know, she gave me some awesome feedback on, you know how I could put some extra things in and, and frame it in a certain way so translating it is tricky for me and that's something that's probably one of my biggest challenges that I come up against because I'm I'm a very in the moment person and mm. so I have all this knowledge right now and I can I find it really hard to put myself back in the position of who was I before I had this knowledge and how could I best explain it to someone like that yeah that they're in a way that they're going to get it yeah Again, it's it's that courageous journey of self-leadership, isn't it? Yeah, it it really is. But I I know that about myself, so I surround myself with people that can help me with that. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm constantly evolving and I'll I'll probably get a lot better at it as I go along. What do you think has been your biggest business challenge to date? Myself. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how many people say me when I ask that question. Yeah, me. I mean... It's me not being my authentic self. Again, like I get, we we always teach the lesson we need to learn. I really believe in that. And I keep getting reminded constantly, you know, no, live in your strengths and, and do it in the way that's right for you. You know, I just had it recently where I was trying really hard to make something work with me. You know, it was like email marketing. The reality is I'm just not built to sit behind a computer all day and Mm. I was getting really drained. I was really lethargic. I was super frustrated. I wasn't getting the results. My information didn't seem like it was landing and I was just like, 
why am I doing this? And I kind of got this message. I sort of had a moment to kind of step away and, and, and I did, I was able to do some of the activities that are much more aligned to my biology as well. And I was like, this feels good. This Mm -hmm. feels aligned. And I was like, why aren't I just doing this? I think a big reason for that is the old story that I have in my mind that work has to be hard. Oh God, I have had, I work every day to condition myself <laughs> away from that. Work has to be hard and the more you do, the more you're allowed to get paid. Yes, yeah. Which is just, there's no evidence of that no, anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, and it's, this is the stuff I teach. I'm like, you know, let everybody be operating at least in a majority in their flow, in their biological strengths. Mm. But yet... <laughs> I'm still slapped in the face with this reminder. (laughs) What are you doing trying to work on your weaknesses? You know, what are you doing spending the majority of your business time sitting behind a computer when that's not you? So Mm. I, yeah, and I think this will probably be my biggest lesson for a long time. Those bloody lessons that we keep learning over and over and over. Have you learned me yet? Oh, no, here I come. Yeah, Yeah. it's all right. Brene Brown says that she she has those ones too. Girl, that makes me feel better. I have to remind myself every now and then that she is human. What's been your biggest lesson as a leader? Hmm. That's a great question. I think probably that I can't do it alone, which is really Mm. ironic. (laughs) Yeah. That's been a big one recently, pulled in more support, and I'm now, you know, I have a business partner now. I think I I still had that no I can do it all on my own that independence and it's like who's a leader if they don't have anybody to lead or you know anybody supporting them yeah I was talking to some of my clients about this recently she's like gone are the days where leadership meant that you knew it all and you were the person who was kind of in the, the top of the hierarchy yeah leadership now is about identifying where the strengths and the weaknesses are and then filling the gaps accordingly. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to be on the top of that mountain by myself. No, (laughs) yeah. That's no fun. Yeah, that's no fun. Who's going to take a picture of me for Instagram? Exactly, right. By myself. (laughs) Um, What is the core belief that you hold that helps you through the really hard times? Mm. That we all have value. Yeah. You know, I think for myself... That's probably the biggest one for myself that I'm valuable mm. because that's the one I doubt all the time. Mm. Um, I can see it in other people so easily. I always see the value in other people and I'm, I'm incredibly compassionate even to, you know, people that have, you know, that I feel have wronged me or that people are doing, you know, the horrible things in the world. I'm always like, wonder why they did that. I wonder yeah. what happened to them that caused them to do that mm. or I wonder what kind of place they're in that is making them make those choices but I think we all have value and we all have, you know, a right to exist in this world. Mm. And I just, I would really like our world to evolve and, you know, I'm being part of that change as well to the point where we understand how to support each other to really bring that value forth. Mm. God, it's a, that's a powerful mission, my friend. Yeah, it is. It's not a small one. <laughs> <laughs> Just this tiny little mission I came up yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and whose voice would you like to hear on this podcast? Who should I speak to next? I would love you to interview my biz bestie, Peter Saris, a.k.a. Professional Babe. Oh, my God. I yeah. love that. So she is someone, oh, gosh, I get tingles when I talk about her. She is somebody that is breaking the mold. She is so in her authenticity and she's really kind of counterculture. She's that kind of person that is like, why are the rules like that? I can break the rules. 
And she just does business in a really different way. And I take so much inspiration from her. Um, you know, and she's always like, she's, you know, she says she's my stage mum. You know, she comes <laughs> along to all my lunch and learns here at the Commons. And she's, you know, she's just always cheering me on. And she just, you know, she's always got that belief in me as well. But I really admire, even though we do things very differently, um, quite polar opposite, I really admire the way she does things and the way that she, you know, she she doesn't seem afraid to break the mould and to do things differently, even though she gets pushed back all the time. Oh, we need so, more yeah. people like that, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, more disruptors, please. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Casey, it's been such a delight speaking to you. I'm going to link all of your things. What's the best platform for people to find you and follow along? Um, either Instagram or LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Great. so those are the places that I'm showing up most at the moment. Um, yeah great thank you so much for having me this has been such an honor and I've really enjoyed our conversation same I've learned so much oh good yeah I'm about to google the crap out of their virginity yeah I'm still I'm I'm never gonna you can take the the woman out of teaching but you can't take the teaching out of the woman apparently you are wired for it yeah (laughs) thank you so much thanks so much Em I trust that you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And if you would like to hear more from Casey, then jump on in behind the scenes because we talk about some of Casey's biggest business failures and what she had to say blew my mind. You do not want to miss that behind the scenes episode. Thank you very much for watching and a huge thanks to Casey. Casey.